Hey, welcome back to the Rookie Homesteader Podcast. My name is Ross Landry, and I'm a beginner getting into permaculture and homesteading. Last week, I talked about how I decided that I'm not ready to buy land yet, even though I really, really want to buy land and get started. Um, I accepted that I'm not ready. I'm not ready because I don't have the skills and experience I need yet. Part of me wants to learn by doing, but I don't think that the first step is buying land. So I came to this realization by asking myself a simple question, which is, I let's say hypothetically that I show up on some land with no money because I spent it all on the land and an old Toyota Camry and no real construction skills or tools. Now what? <laughs> so um, I didn't really come up with a satisfying answer to that question. And that made me think that I need to develop some more skills, as I mentioned in the last episode, save up some more money, and also acquire some tools. So when I think about buying some tools and developing some skills, I'm trying to point that in the direction of my highest priorities. So in this context, I think shelter ranks very high on the list of priorities. So when I when I first acquire some land, I think I want to prioritize water management, access, meaning like the driveway and paths to get around the land, and the shelter. So um, not really thinking as much about plants right now, trees, vegetable garden, beekeeping, chickens, you know, I'm not thinking about those things as much, even though that's probably what I'm most excited about is the, the plants and animals, the more kind of traditional farming aspects of the homestead. I feel like it makes more sense to prioritize the shelter and access and water management. So when I started thinking about how I was going to build some of that infrastructure, I was confronted with a few problems. I already mentioned most of them, which is the money, inexperience, and no tools. So those are big problems. But uh, another thing is that I just wasn't going to have enough time. So I'm still going to be working full-time throughout this whole process. So I was going to be limited if I were, let's say I was just camping on the land. If I, you know, I, I bought the land, I didn't have an RV, I didn't have a tiny house, I didn't have anything, I didn't have any good shelter to just, you know, throw down on the land at that time, then I was going to be limited to just camping. As I said in the past, I, you know, I was okay with the idea of just camping in a tent on the land and trying to do what I could in, uh, in that context. But the time was going to be a problem. So if I was just camping and, and I wouldn't be able to work, then that really limits me to weekends. And maybe if, you know, if I get up really early, I could go to the land before work in the summer, the days are pretty long. I might be able to go after work for an hour or two. But the nights and weekend thing, especially commuting to the land nights and weekend from some other place that I'm living, it just didn't seem like I was going to be there enough to really get a lot of work done on the land. So so in addition to getting the experience, the tools, the money, I really need to figure out a way to spend more of my time on the land in the early days. And that means finding a way to work while I'm there, uh, work remotely online. So the way that I'm thinking about this is what are my basic needs and 
in what way can I extend how long I can provide for those basic needs? So I actually made a list of the absolute essentials, which are water, shelter, a toilet, food, electricity, and Wi-Fi. It might sound kind of funny to have Wi-Fi on the list of absolute essentials, but again, that's for my job. I, I need to work and I need Wi-Fi to work. If I was just going camping for a vacation, I would not be concerned at all about getting internet. I would actually be uh, quite thrilled to get away from it for a while. But yeah, since that's part of my job, the electricity and Wi-Fi are really not negotiable. And those are probably going to be on the harder end to provide. I'm really glad I made the list of necessities because it's helping me evaluate some of my ideas in terms of the return on investment. So for a certain amount of money spent, how much does this cover me? And how, how many of these basic needs does that help me meet and for how long? And the most obvious thing, the first thing I thought of when you, when I was thinking about extending the amount of time that I can spend on a rural, undeveloped piece of land is a camper, right? That's kind of the obvious move would be to get an RV or a camper trailer and then, you know, just show up on the land with one of those. Uh, but then when I look at the list and also look at the expense of a camper trailer, it really only covers one of my necessities, which is shelter. You know, a camper doesn't actually provide water or electricity. You can hook up those things to a camper, but um, it doesn't actually provide those. So uh, it was going to be a huge expense, you know, uh, tens of thousands of dollars for a camper. And then also I'd probably have to get a more powerful pickup truck if I were going to be towing a camper um, because, you know, some of the trucks I'm looking at aren't really built for towing campers. They're, they're less powerful. So, you know, more expensive pickup truck, very expensive camper or RV. Um, yeah, just to provide shelter, which is like the easiest of the needs to provide for. Uh, well, there's a few that are pretty easy, but shelter is one of them. So I felt like, man, that's a lot of money just to put a roof over my head. So, so yeah, that, that kind of helped me, um, I don't want to say rule out a camper, but kind of cool off on the idea of getting a camper. Um, besides just the prices. I mean, when I shop for campers, it's it's pretty amazing how expensive they are in general. I mean, everything's expensive right now because of inflation, but when you look, you shop around for used campers, they're, they're so pricey. Those comments actually apply to tiny houses as well. Same thing. I mean, tiny houses are not cheap. People will talk about how they're affordable because compared to a conventional home, they might be kind of inexpensive, but uh, a tiny house can easily cost between fifty dollars and $100,000. And even if I were going to build one myself and do it in sort of a economical fashion, it's still going to be at least twenty five, thirty thousand. So, so it's not not a small amount of money by any means. And and again, it doesn't actually provide me with the basic necessities to live, like like food and water. It's just just shelter. It's just comfort. It's comfort. That's what it is. So, so that's um, my feeling about both a camper and a tiny house. Is that the those are ways to provide comfort more than they are actually high return on investment um, assets for survival. All right, getting back to the list of needs, uh, I should mention that I'm not worried about heating right now. So this is kind of assuming that it's one of the warm seasons, either mid to late spring, all summer, early to mid fall, that, that sort of window. So I'm kind of just designing for those six or seven months in New England where uh, heating isn't a big concern. Because then if I were worried about trying to make this a year-round setup, that just scales up the complexity and, and makes it a lot harder. 
And that's kind of that's the long term goal of the homestead is to make it uh, a year round place that I can live and, and meet my needs. So uh, right now I'm just trying to make it so that in the spring, summer, fall, I can be there and get a lot of work done towards those long term goals. I'm also not self sufficient. That you know I'm not stating that as a goal right now. Um, the goal is just to be there. It's I'm going to be taking a lot of inputs from the outside world and and importing them into my homestead in the early days. And so the goal is to get approaching something resembling self-sufficiency in the long run. But in the early days, I'm very explicitly going to be bringing a lot of resources in. So for example, water, I'm probably going to get a large container that I can put a bunch of fresh drinking water in, maybe 35 to 50 gallons. So there's these big cisterns, like these giant plastic bottles I'd love to get stainless steel, but that would just be so much more expensive. So I'll probably get one of those 35 to 50 gallon plastic cisterns and then once a week go into town, fill that up with fresh water and and bring it back to the homestead. So there's a few things like that that are just going to be weekly chores that I go to top off some of these key resources. Um, Besides the water, I'm also going to go and buy groceries once a week. So again, long term, I would love to produce a lot of my own food, but right now I'm just going to go to the grocery store once a week. Um, I'm not going to be able to refrigerate it, so that'll be a separate challenge of getting groceries that don't need refrigeration. But fortunately, I actually have some practice with that because I lived on my sailboat last summer and I didn't have a refrigerator then. So I kind of got good at buying groceries that you don't need to refrigerate. Um, Besides that, on my weekly trip into town, I'm going to get some gasoline, which I'll need for my generator. So I haven't talked about electricity yet, but that's the gist of it. I'm going to have a gas power generator and that's how I'm going to create my electricity once again just for now until I can get some more uh, sustainable long-term system set up and uh, yeah I'll also probably take a hot shower and do some laundry while I'm in town so go to a laundromat um, or maybe you know if I could find a, a hotel that I could just stay one night a week and do my laundry there and take a hot shower and maybe get a meal at a restaurant in town, something like that. I might not do that every week, um, but, you know, I don't need to do my laundry every week either. I can definitely go a couple weeks without doing laundry. So those weekly trips into town cover a few of the needs. Uh, Just to remind you the list, it's got six things on it. Water, shelter, toilet, food, electricity, and Wi-Fi. And right away with my weekly trip into town, I've got water covered. I'm picking up my food for the week and I'm covering my electricity in the form of gasoline that I'll be running a generator with. So I've actually already got the generator. I bought that this week. It's a Westinghouse 3600 watt gasoline power generator. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be how I'm making my electricity. So that just leaves shelter, a toilet, and Wi-Fi. For internet, I'm planning to use a satellite service called Starlink. It comes from Elon Musk's company, SpaceX. And it's uh, it's interesting technology because satellite internet has been around for a while, and that's basically what this is. But it's different because their satellites, there's more of them, and they orbit closer to Earth than other satellite internet service companies. So that means much faster, more bandwidth, uh, faster upload and download speeds. So the the speeds you can get with Starlink are pretty close to what you get with like a fiber optic network or something like that. So 
Um, that's really convenient that that just came into existence in the last couple of years. It really makes uh, working remotely a lot more practical. And I'm talking remotely, remotely. I have a coworker who lives in rural Washington state and uh, he's been working out there for a few years. And prior to this, he had one of those old school satellite internet services. And I think he would probably get like two or three megabytes um, bandwidth. And now he gets like uh, like 100 megabytes, something like that, uh, using Starlink. So that was cool that I got to talk to him and get kind of a firsthand account of what it's like to use the service. And uh, I ordered mine about five months ago, and it just came. So I'll be testing that out this week. As for the toilet, that's a pretty easy one. I'm just going to do a simple composting toilet using a bucket and sawdust, basically. Okay, so that brings us to the shelter. Now, as I said, if I weren't working, it would be a totally different story. If I was just camping out for the summer and trying to, you know, do some landscaping, et cetera, et cetera, and I wasn't working online, then I would just buy a really nice tent and that would be that. I would just sleep in the tent all summer. But given that I'm going to be working online um, and that I'm going to need to set up this satellite internet and I'm also going to get a really big lithium ion battery that I can charge with the generator so I don't have to have the generator running all the time while I'm working. So, you know, I'm just, I, I don't want to work in a tent. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, so I think I need to build something where I can kind of set up my workspace. So it's probably going to look a lot like a shed is what I'm thinking. I'm picturing something very shed-like, a very simple structure framed with two by fours, um, and then on the roof, I can set up the satellite for the Starlink Wi-Fi. And yeah, that basically just give me somewhere dry, protected from the wind, um, out of the sun that I can work and also gives me a good place to put some of my stuff like the generator and, you know, what, whatever else, some, maybe some of my clothing, uh, things like that, just, uh, you know, somewhere safe to put some things. Now, I'll probably still get a really nice tent because I don't really want to sleep in the office slash shed. Um, then it would just become a really crappy tiny house at that point if I'm living in it. So, you know, it's not to say I wouldn't sleep in it sometimes if it was like, you know, a crazy storm and my, I got water in my tent or something like that, then I might go sleep in the office. But uh, I want to kind of treat it as a workspace slash storage space and uh and and not sleep there so most of the time i think i would still sleep in a tent and then when i wake up and start my work day uh head into the office you know i didn't mention that the shed slash office is going to be on a trailer so maybe you're already picturing that maybe you weren't but yeah it's it's going to look like a shed but it's going to be on a trailer now it's not going to be the trailer isn't going to be the floor of the shed so it's not going to be they're not going to be inextricably linked, but the uh, I'm going to build a, the shed small enough that I can lift it up with a couple people and put it onto a utility trailer, and uh, and then take it off if I want. So so yeah, I can that way I can I can cart around the shed. I can build it in Rhode Island and then drive it up north whenever I get land. Um, but if I want, I can take the shed off of the trailer and. Uh, and use the trailer for other things. And if you're wondering how that's different from towing a camper trailer or a tiny house, 
the difference is weight. So this would be a lightweight utility trailer, probably around 800 pounds for the trailer. And then I'm going to try to make the shed as light as possible, ideally under a thousand pounds. So the whole setup should be under 2000 pounds, which I'd be able to tow with even a really lightweight truck. And also it won't be as expensive of a trailer because the trailers that you use for tiny houses are they're uh, rated for a lot of weight, which makes them more expensive. So instead of it being a six or $7,000 trailer, I'm talking about maybe like $2,000 for the type of trailer that I, that I think I'll need. That's, um, you know, only rated to carry like 2000 pounds, which should be plenty for the office. So, so yeah, it's just, it's lighter that I can still use the trailer for other things. And, um, oh, and it'd be a lot cheaper because the, the shed slash office just won't require nearly as much materials as building a, an actual tiny house. Another thing that I like about building a shed as opposed to buying an RV is that the tools that I'll need to build the shed will also be really useful once I get onto the land and start building some other structures for the homestead. Uh, for example, if I want to build the tiny house on a foundation or build another shed, like a bigger one or a barn or even a main house, having some of these tools that I'll need to build the shed, like an air compressor, a nail gun, a skill saw, you know, some of these things that I'm planning to purchase in the next couple of weeks to build my shed will also be really useful in building other structures for the homestead or even like um, a little shelter for my firewood. You know, most people have a little roofed area for their firewood. It's just really a really simple frame with usually like a, a piece of metal on top or, or a piece of plywood at least. And, you know, stuff like that. If I had the tools to build a shed, I would also have the tools to build little structures like that on the homestead. So that's another advantage I feel over buying an RV is that I'm A, developing the skills to construct wood framing and B, acquiring the tools to do that. So over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to pick up an air compressor and a framing nail gun that runs off the air compressor. Uh, I found a post on Craigslist where a guy is selling those two things as a package deal uh, for 250 bucks. I've already got my generator and I've got my satellite terminal for the internet. So over the weekend, I'll probably test out uh, using the generator to run the satellite and see if I can get Wi-Fi without connecting to the electrical grid. So if I can just go like out into the state park and fire up the generator and my satellite and get Wi-Fi, that would be uh, that would be a nice test. And then I'm kind of just waiting for, for my truck to come in. So I haven't mentioned this yet, but I did put a deposit down on a pickup truck. I got basically the cheapest version of the truck they sell. The only option I did pay for is four-wheel drive. I would have also probably paid for the six-cylinder engine, but I couldn't actually get the six-cylinder engine without paying for a bunch of other add-ons like cosmetic upgrades, uh, extra electronics. And uh, I really just don't want the extra electronics and cosmetic upgrades. So I think I'm just going to suck it up and take the four-cylinder and save almost $7,000, which, you know, I am a little apprehensive about having an underpowered pickup truck. But at the same time, I think I can just work around that and treat it as a design constraint. I just can't tow a heavy trailer. And that's that's something I'm just going to have to plan for. The truck won't arrive for another four to six weeks. So I was kind of thinking I was going to have to wait until then to start building the shed because I couldn't imagine how I was going to transport the lumber from the hardware store to my house with my Camry. 
because uh, the two by fours I want are going to be eight feet long. Uh, but I just realized I could probably get it delivered to my house. So if the truck doesn't come and I'm ready to start building, I might just get the lumber delivered to my house and, and get started that way. Uh, but anyway, that's all for now. So thanks for listening. I'll post an update in a few weeks once I've made some progress on the shed.